Hello and welcome to episode 24, the ugly truth about medication. I know I need to record this episode. I think that it'll be therapeutic for myself and very, I hope helpful for anyone who's listening, but it's going to be hard because I have to go back to places in my life when I was far from the best version of myself. Possibly close to the worst. And that's hard. But that's my heavy. That's my heavy to carry. And one of the things that I constantly tell myself is, Melissa, you were given these mountains to show other people how far they can be moved. So that's what I'm going to do. Okay. I'm going to take it back to my first experience with meds. Which is pretty fucked up in itself. Um, okay. I've probably already shared this in, I know, at least one episode, maybe several. Um, but I don't know where you're starting. So I'm just gonna quickly share and give you a little bit of the backstory. So I have struggled with depression, like I said in the last episode, um, you know, negative thoughts, harmful thoughts for as long as I can remember, honestly and truly. Um, But it spiraled out of control when my best friend committed suicide. I was 19. It was the end of my freshman year of college. And I was home for two weeks. I think I took two weeks off and then I came back and I was not okay. Not okay. Death is hard. And when someone that you love is gone, your world stops. It comes to a crashing halt. And it's so hard to watch everyone else's life go on after the funeral even those who were there with you their lives went on and it's so hard when yours doesn't and having ADHD I struggle with time blindness so for a really 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 long time it felt like he died yesterday My brain couldn't distinguish one day, 14 days, or 14 years. If you'd like to hear more about this, check out episode 17. So I went back to school, college, no less, ugh, right? Uh, And I don't know, it honestly, it, it could have even been my idea because I liked to drink my feelings away. Um, But we went out. Not something that we didn't do on a regular basis. But after a few drinks, a song came on. I thought about Kirk. My emotional dysregulation kicked in and I became hysterical. So, my friends helped carry me out of the bar. I remember breaking the blinds on the door as I fell on it. And they get me outside. And, I don't know, I had this thing with Superman. 
underoos and oh that's I'm sure that's in another episode about my sobriety um but I jumped over a cement step and I went face first into a bumper of a car I knocked out my two front teeth which we found in a gravel parking lot by the way we didn't like put them back in or anything but to my girls, I mean, they were definitely sober. I will say that. They <laughs> they took excellent care of me. I did not take very good care of myself. I was not good at that at all. But they took care of me. So taking such good care of me, they were worried that I, you know, I smashed my head. I smashed face first hard enough to knock out my front teeth. So, obviously, maybe I have a concussion, which I probably definitely did. Um, Several regarding my drinking. But anyways, we're on this one. So, they took me to Greene County Emergency Room, and I couldn't even, I I couldn't even sign my name. I remember. I could not sign my name. Unfortunately, I'm a blackout drunk, so I have bits and pieces. But the pieces I remember are enough. I, the next thing I remember is being in an exam room with my friend Ashley and there were two pills in my hand, Vicodin, and I think, I'm pretty sure I remember saying something like, I don't think I need these. Like, I don't really think I need these. I was wasted. I felt nothing. I felt no pain. Like, give them to me the next day? Sure. Let me take them home and take them tomorrow because I'm sure I'm going to be feeling pretty fucking rough. But for now, I'm good. No, no. I think my friend or maybe it was the doctor. I don't know. Somebody said, Melissa, just take the pills. And I repeated, Melissa, just take the pills. And I took the pills. And then shit started to really go downhill. So now I'm wasted and I've got two Vicodin in me. And my friends take me back to my dorm. We made it halfway down the hall and I fell to my knees. And I can still hear my screams. I'm sure... I'm sure I gave some people some nightmares in that dorm. My apologies to Denny Hall. (laughs) Waynesburg College, before it was Waynesburg University. Anywho, um, I made it back to my room. And they couldn't calm me down. And all I kept saying was that I wanted to be with Kirk. I flicked off the dean of my college 19 times in my dorm room that night. And the next flash that I remember, I was leaving my dorm in a wheelchair, in a straitjacket, into an ambulance. I was 19. The girls in my dorm were worried about boys and midterms or finals, and I was leaving in a fucking straitjacket on a random Tuesday after a dorm meeting. So, they take me to Washington Hospital, which is where I'm from, and... The next thing I remember is being in a hospital bed, throwing up, drunk, feeling horrible, and my mom was there. So here's where shit gets fucked up. I didn't have any documented history of depression. My mom didn't think that insurance would cover treatment, both therapy and meds. It was clear that I needed help. 
but we couldn't afford it. So, as I'm wasted, my mom talks me into, and I know it's for my own good, signing myself into a psych ward so that I can get the help I needed. I didn't belong in there. Okay, I'm about to go into one of the dark places, so I had to take a minute and regather myself because I could not go deeper from where I was. So, when I got to the hospital, I was wasted and you have to be sober to check into a psych ward. So I spent I don't, a day sobering up with my mom in the hospital with no teeth, no front teeth, 19-year-old girl. Yeah, such a highlight of my life. Um, so they strip you of all your dignity and I had never been medicated before. The only thing I had ever taken was a leave and maybe some diet pills, poor choices in my youth. Do not wish to talk about it right now. Anyways, I had, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Every time the doctors came into my room to try to talk to me, I was so out of it from the meds, I couldn't have a conversation. I, it was so weird. I was sober, but I didn't feel like it. I slept 12, 14 hours a day. Well, as much as they would let me, they don't let you sleep all day. I don't even know. I don't remember. It's so weird. I spent four days in there and I only remember bits and pieces and I wasn't drinking. I don't think that's helping me. And when they would come in to talk, all they wanted to talk about was my drinking. All they wanted to talk about was my drinking. Every day they asked me how many drinks I had that night. And I didn't know. I didn't know. But they didn't like it when I said a few. I don't know. Because apparently they had my blood alcohol level. I don't remember what it was. Probably for the best. But they never asked how I was feeling. They never asked how the meds made me feel. I was having trouble sleeping. I was having nightmares. I mean, my best friend jumped off a bridge and smashed into a van and he had to be identified by a trach scar and a stomach tube scar. He had no face. And there was obviously no casket or goodbye. So, yeah, I might have been a bit traumatized. (sighs) I'm sure my mom talked to the doctors and told them that I experienced periods of highs and lows and that my moods are unstable. Emotional dysregulation coming in hot, yo. Yeah, yeah, that's an ADHD symptom. We'll get there. Anywho, I needed that own validation for myself because I am retraining my brain the way I see myself and the way the world has treated me. 
I feel like we should just end there. JK, I'm kidding. Fuck, here we go. Okay. So when I left, I don't remember, I don't, have no idea what meds I was on in there, but I'm assuming the same meds, the med cocktail that I left on, which was <sighs> Remeron, which was to help me sleep. It is also something that they give anorexic girls to help them gain weight and deal with their depression. I was on Celexia, which is another antidepressant. And Neurontin, which is a mood stabilizer. I was on. I went from never having a medication in my system to two antidepressants and a mood stabilizer because I had a bad fucking night that my friend committed suicide less than three weeks before that and I tried to go back to normal too soon in an unhealthy way. I paid for that night for like half of my life. So I officially had a diagnosis of severe depression. And I'm pretty sure there's even like some suicidal thoughts or something in there, which isn't inaccurate, but it's not what I wanted at the time. I knew what that felt like. I didn't want that. I didn't want that for my family. I was dying. The thing about suicide is that the pain doesn't leave with you. It just passes on to those that love you. And I've been carrying that pain for 20 fucking years. I know that suicide is a little off topic, but one, it obviously fits in my story, and two, I don't think it's off topic because I think that so many of us are labeled incorrect things and treated and not listened to and not heard and made to believe that we're crazy when we're really just struggling. And that shit is hard. And if you don't get a grip on it, Death will seem easier. And I don't want that for you. I need you to keep fighting. So anywho, I started therapy after the psych ward. But honest to goodness, for the next six months, I didn't feel a fucking thing. Not a fucking thing. I was oversleeping. maybe overeating. I don't, I don't remember. I remember probably under eating, but I was gaining weight at an alarming rate. Wonder why. So now I'm depressed in the process of getting my teeth fixed with all of that money that my parents didn't have. Thanks for my teeth, by the way, mom and dad. I owe you forever. But they took everything. So yeah, I was sleeping and I wasn't necessarily crying all day. But I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't feel joy. I couldn't feel excitement. I I wasn't me anymore. I didn't I didn't know who I was and that was even scarier. And I started to have bad thoughts. Negative thoughts again and the depression seemed to be getting worse. In my mind, although my body was having trouble reacting to it because it had nothing. So imagine me, 24 episodes of me, feeling nothing. Not being able to express my feelings. Feeling none of it. And just feeling empty and like... My life had no purpose. That's what I felt like. So, of course, 
talking to the therapist didn't help because we just kept talking about that night and then the accident and, you know, the whole thing. We, we talk, I talked about it and talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. And oh my gosh, did I fucking talk about it? Yeah, just just a little bit forever and ever. And every fucking time it was just as brutal to talk about. It was like I was literally just reliving it. So instead of actually healing, I just kept traumatizing myself over and over and we called it fucking therapy. And I'm not saying that therapy is wrong because I've done therapy that has changed my life. But being undiagnosed ADHD fucked me up in all ways. And this was one of them. The fact that we didn't recognize time blindness and that I couldn't heal and move past something that had happened. Six months, 12 months, two years, five years, 10 years. I went to therapy forever. And doctor after doctor and psychiatrist after psychiatrist. And every time I told them, that I didn't like the meds. I didn't like the side effects. I didn't think they were helping. And every time, they ignored me. They might have made me feel like, okay, but then at the end of the day, the only thing that was ever done was switching to a new med, increasing the dosage of my current med, Or, my personal favorite, let's add another one to the mix. So, I've tried dozens of meds at this point. Dozens. So, not only is this frustrating that I have been seeking treatment and help for years, decades, without anything actually helping other than EMDR and a lot of the things that I've added in my life in the last seven years, this whole podcast, but no meds. And if you go back to episode 14, where I talk about my medical card, my cannabis license, the first doctor that I went to, he turned me down. He told me that I didn't qualify for a medical marijuana card because I hadn't tried enough, get this, meds, pills, more fucking pills, which I had tried at least six in three years. Six different kinds of meds other than pain meds. Six other kinds of like nerve meds or like muscle, like whatever, right? I don't even know. There was a lot. Some of them were anxiety meds that were supposed to be good for like nerve pain and nerve blocking. I don't even know. Mark probably does. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. I had tried several and he told me it wasn't enough. Not that I hadn't tried enough things because I was doing all the things. All the things. PT, acupuncture, right? I'm not going to go back to it. Go back to it. So anyways, I did get my medical card. I stopped taking all pain pills, getting all injections, and now I use cannabis and I take an over-the-counter allergy pill every day and I get allergy shots every other week, plus my new med, which I'm getting to. But I'm talking about before that, right? So for the last three years, that's all that I've had. And... (laughs) To say that I was hesitant, I am hesitant, was, was, I guess, yeah, about medication for ADHD and medication for anything, again, in general, yeah, very hesitant. I'm not a fan. Very skeptical. And I share this because I've heard dozens of stories already like mine of women being over-medicated and unheard, and they're scared to try again, and they're nervous. So I wanted to share my story. So you know it's not just you. And I'm sorry. I'm so very sorry that you had to go through that. 
it sucks, and I know. And I wish we didn't, but we can hopefully change things going forward. So, let's talk about ADHD meds and all of the good and bad things around them. So, when I started asking, because knowing that I had ADHD was great and all, but I, as you know, do all the things and I was still struggling. So I really thought medication was kind of my last resort. And that scared me. So then I finally get to this point. I finally get to this point mentally that I'm like, okay, I need this. Right? And then... I, this blows my mind. I tried Adderall for the first time as a 39-year-old adult because not... For the reasons, apparently, Adderall is, I don't know, tried by people uh, that it's not prescribed to. But I needed to see. Because if you go back to the last episode, when she told me one pill one day, she knew. And I, I was like, how? Because you, the first four days of meds for me were the psych ward and like, I don't fucking remember hardly any of it. It was not good. I didn't know anything. Nothing was working. Like, I needed to see. I needed to know. And I don't recommend trying pills that you're not prescribed. And especially if you have any, like, health conditions and things. Like, I'm seriously not recommending it, okay? But I'm sharing my story. I'm sharing my story. Because this is why it mattered. I had been asking around about meds. And everyone that I asked at that point wasn't giving me good news. And I needed to know if this was something that I had to fight for. Because you know I will. But I had to know. One pill. It was even a fast-acting tablet, so it only lasted like four hours. I still remember that morning clear as day. I sat there for, oh, I say five minutes, but honestly it could have been like 15 to 30. Time blindness. Looking around my office. Just staring. Around the room looking at things, waiting for the flood of intrusive thoughts. And it was almost like everything got real quiet and calm when it kicked in. I had never, ever experienced life like that. And I was warned. (laughs) Because I was trying it myself. Again, not recommended, but whatevs, whatevs, whatevs. If it wasn't so shitty and hard to get meds, maybe people wouldn't have to do shit like this. Which is why I'm recording this fucking podcast and trying to create some awareness. And yeah, maybe this isn't the best way to do it. My lawyer's gonna edit this, probably hate me, whatevs. He is not representing me. He is not me. This is me, myself, and I, and I'm going with it. Well, fuck, I forget what I'm going with. All right, uh, the warnings. So if I have ADHD, everything's gonna get much better. I don't know, right? But if I don't, it's going to feel like it did a bunch of coke. And I was like, well, I've never done coke before. So fingers crossed, that's not it. Um, But as soon as it, it was exactly like she said, one pill, one day. And I knew 
But then the problem was, now that I knew, I couldn't go back. So now, I had to fight. And I knew that this was worth fighting for. So I started asking people that I know who have been recently diagnosed or previously diagnosed with ADHD as an adult. And I messaged them, and this is hard because not everybody talks about it. It's not something that is particularly talked about. However, if you get a late diagnosis, you're probably talking about it a little bit because it's so life-changing, especially if you are someone who does need the medication, it's really fucking life-changing. And it's a process. And all that jazz. But anyway, so I messaged a couple friends, and I asked them where they got diagnosed, how they got meds, if they were taking meds. Obviously, I'm so grateful that people were willing to share their information with me. Um, This was all done in private message, by the way. But... I was hearing more and more PCPs. And I was like, well, that is the way that I would prefer to go. I'm not against therapy. I'm actually, like I said, the last episode, I'm on a wait list for telehealth. I'm all about therapy. I need some therapy with this. But I don't want to go the psychiatrist route. I feel like psychiatrists are more focused on the mental illnesses and all of my mental illnesses are just symptoms of my ADHD. So we're not on the same page. And I also just have bad experiences with them and I, if I could do it without them, I wanted to. So that was me, right? I don't have a current psychiatrist. The last one I worked with was in 2010 into 2011. So 2011, which is the last time that I went to a psychiatrist and was the last time that I was medicated with psych meds. So it's been over a decade. I didn't know where to start. I didn't want to do a psychiatrist. So the PCP had me very helpful. Hopeful. However, I also didn't have a PCP. My last PCP died in, oh, I don't know, like 2011. (laughs) And um, I never got a new one. So I didn't have a PCP for over a decade. Um, Well, my lifestyle changes have benefited me because I'm never sick and I never needed to go to the doctor. If I went to anything, it was for my back and I had different doctors for that. So, and I have an allergist. So I have an allergist and I have a back doctor and that's, all I needed until now. However, now I am a 39-year-old recovered alcoholic, red flag history of addiction, with a medical marijuana card, I've also been told red flag, and I have zero history with any doctors. It was not looking good. And again, doctors. I'm not a super big fan. Uh, So uh, my next step was, okay, well, maybe I can schedule an evaluation and a diagnosis. Because if I get a diagnosis, I can go to a doctor asking for meds. So that was my backup plan. A friend of mine was getting diagnosed had signed up for an evaluation. The wait list was terribly long. Uh, I think when I first called, it was in October. And I was scheduled for February 8th. Is that today? That might be today. That's crazy. That's crazy. Is that today? Fuck me, it is. That's so hilarious. Okay, so today was supposed to be my ADHD evaluation. That's crazy. So much of my life has changed already, Uh, which is why there is no time to waste. Then the same friend tells me that they called her with an earlier appointment time because she was on their wait list. When I called to check about the wait list, there was an opening for the next month, and I took it. However, this was just 
in ADHD evaluation and diagnosis. Therapy is offered, which is where I'm going to go. I'm on a wait list for that. But there is no psychiatrist in-house and no one to prescribe meds. So this was only the first part of my plan. I needed part two. (sighs) The part that scared the shit out of me. Going to a doctor and asking for meds. Because not only am I terrified at this point, like just because the way meds have, like I'm afraid of not being heard, right? (laughs) I've been unheard for my meds my whole life. And then it doesn't help when everybody around you is telling them, telling you, oh, don't tell them you're a recovered alcoholic because you'll be drug seeking and they won't give you meds. Or don't tell them you have a medical marijuana card because you won't get a prescription for Adderall. Like, what the fuck? I'm sorry, but in what world is it recommended to tell someone to go into their doctor's office and lie? Oh, because they don't fucking medicate people because it's a big fucking problem. So you can't be honest about your struggles. And if we're being really fucking honest, let's be really fucking honest. I bet a lot, a lot of the drug addicts and the alcoholics out there are medicating for untreated ADHD because nobody fucking listens to them or takes them seriously or labeled them with a mental illness that they were diagnosed with. They will carry that for the rest of their lives. Do you know how many people are misdiagnosed as bipolar? Let's, it's, a, it's a whole other episode in itself. But when you're labeled these things and the meds and the treatment still don't work, well, now you're crazy and there's no cure. What else do we have to live for? So yeah, we drink or we use to escape the reality that is our fucking life. And one of the problems about getting sober, one of the hardest things about getting sober or getting clean, whatever, is facing your life without your fix, without your drug of choice. You have to now face what turned you to addiction in the first place. Only now, The only way you know how to cope for the last however many days, months, or years is to use, is to run away, is to avoid it. So yeah, that's probably a whole other episode in itself too. But here we are, telling an addict or a recovered alcoholic that they can't ask for something because it makes them drug-seeking, well now, like... This does so much damage in so many areas of our head. Now becomes something bad. And now we think that we're jeopardizing our sobriety for this. And like, it's so toxic. So toxic. Please, doctors, people, nurses, family members, please stop telling alcoholics and addicts that we may or may not be drug seeking when all we're doing is seeking treatment. Treatment, you know, the same treatment that those without this disease deserve. That treatment, it's not fucking fair that we have this extra fucking stigma on our back regarding this, which may or may not have got us here in the fucking first place. Moving on. Mark was having some issues a few years ago. He was experiencing stomach problems and he was sick all the time. And his current PCP was doing all kinds of tests, trying different meds. Every test looked like his insides were super healthy. Amazing. Looked phenomenal, right? And every test that came back normal made me think anxiety more and more and it made Mark more crazy in his head. He has medical anxiety so his mind will spiral about medical issues 
and it makes his body physically sick. Which isn't great because then those six symptoms, his mind thinks, oh, that's, you know, this or that or this or that. And it's a vicious cycle. And he did this dance for a year and a half. Until I think it was his mom recommended his current PCP. And on his first visit, I told him, I said, babe, you better go in there and you tell them everything you've done. And you tell them that we think this is anxiety and we would like to try something for that. Can we try to look at this as anxiety and talk about a treatment plan? Whatever that plan is between you and your doctor, I don't care. But you need to go in there and this is what you need to tell him. Mark is an Enneagram 9, by the way, if you know what that means. So, yep, I give him a little push. And he came home that first appointment with a script for Zoloft and has not been sick since. It was his anxiety. And legit anxiety is not a symptom of ADHD. He does not have ADHD. Not everybody with anxiety and depression has ADHD. But that's what it absolutely was for him. So when I'm talking about possibly now a PCP, Mark said, try my PCP. He was, he was great. I really liked him. I've really liked him every time that I've met with him. And I said, okay. And at this point, I had no idea that he was my age, which I think even would have been a big selling point for me if you would have told me. I think our generation, I'm 39, by the way, if you didn't know. I think our generation and yes, yes, right? Middle-aged, I guess. um, We take way less shit than the generation before us. We are not willing to be like, well, this is just how how shit is and we just don't talk about it. We just deal with it. And we're like, oh, fuck no. Here we go. This is how we do this. Get out of the way, right? Um, at least that's me. So you might be better off with a doctor that is more your age or not close to retirement. Let's say that. Um, so anyways, I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to go, I'm going to go to this doctor. And I was like, all right, I'm not, I'm not going to mention that I'm an alcoholic. I'm not going to mention my cannabis card. I'm, I'm going to ask for meds. I'm going to ask for meds. And I literally had to like pump myself up and talk myself up to ask for meds because everybody told me I couldn't. Everybody told me I couldn't, and I was like, well, I am not fucking fake. I don't know how to walk in there and act like I want anything else because that's all I want. That's all I want. If they want me to do other things, I'll do them. I'll do whatever they fucking want me to, but that's what I want, and I need someone to meet me halfway. I need someone to see me at the fucking table. That's what I needed. And it didn't matter how many tables I'd have to go to to get it. I was going to do that. Fortunately, this time, it was the first table. So I get there and I'm filling out the questionnaire, this like health questionnaire, and it's asking questions about drinking. So of course, my brain's like, what? What are we talking about addiction here? And it wasn't fair, which prompted the question. Stick with it, Melissa. D. All right. So it was something about women. Do you have more than seven drinks in a week. And then it was men under 69. Do you have 15 drinks or less a week? And then men over 79 were the same as women. And I was like, he came in as I was filling this out. And he's like, hey, how are you? And I was like, good, thanks. I'd never met this guy before, but he's, you know, very like, I don't know, nice, talkative, cool. Like, uh, not like a lot of Uh, doctors that I've met. Anyways, I will say this. Disclaimer. When I went and saw doctors in my 20s, I wasn't in a very good, good place either. I wasn't necessarily willing to do the work. So some of the times when they didn't hear me, I wasn't hearing them either. And I think that it's worth mentioning because it wasn't all on them. I was in a bad place And honestly, if I went to a doctor back then, I was looking for somebody to give me a pill to fix me. So who I am now is very different, which is why it was hard for me to go in there 
and ask for meds. And so for all the women out there like myself that it's so hard to even get to the point that you want to ask for medication and then to be shot down by everyone you know telling you that you can't just go into a doctor's office and ask for that. Why the fuck not? What other medication out there are you not allowed to ask your doctor for? I'm sorry. Oh, my blood pressure is really high. Oh, we can't ask for that. Fuck no. They'll shove it down your fucking throat. Are you kidding me? Why is this the only thing that we have to beg or struggle or suffer or commit fucking suicide to be seen, heard, or taken seriously? I'm fucking over it. And I haven't even fucking started yet. Like, oh, I, I can't. I can't. I can't. I need to calm down. Give me a minute. Okay, so we're back to the doctor's office with the form. And he, I said, oh, just filling out this, you know, he, oh, he, said, he said, oh, you filling out that wonderful form? And I said, yeah, I have some questions. He said, oh, I bet you do. And I said, no, seriously. Um, what's with the drinking questions? Like, why can men drink twice as much as women? And like, that's okay. Is like, what's up with that? And he... <laughs> <laughs> of course, this is my alcoholic brain versus a doctor with studies and science and all that. And he said, oh, that's a that's a question about your heart and your heart health. And I was like, oh, <laughs> apparently um, men can handle twice as much alcohol for their heart as women did not know. Learned something that day. And the next thing out of my mouth was, oh, well, I'm six and a half years sober. So, of course, I thought addiction and so there was that first rabbit out of the hat. I didn't even make it two fucking minutes. However, in those first two minutes, my doctor also said shit. He said something like, oh, yeah, something, something, shit. I don't remember. I don't even remember what it was at this point, but he said shit. And I was like, yes, my people. Sweary doctors, sweary people are my jam. You know why? They're more honest. They're more honest. I'm sorry. If you feel like swearing and you are constantly filtering yourself, to me, I, it, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. Maybe they're not more honest, but I do think they're more authentic and they say more of what they feel. I feel more comfortable around people who let their guard down enough to swear in public. Maybe that's it. I don't know. To each their own. If you're not sweary, cool. You're probably not digging my podcast, so... I'm assuming you're all right with the swear words at this point. So anyways, he's young, handsome, JK. He is a very handsome doctor, though, I guess. He is married, um, <laughs> which I'm not going to disclose, but he shared information that was relevant to things that we were talking about. And I really appreciated that because I felt understood on a whole new level. So <laughs> then, of course... The only, the first time, I swear this is the first time it's ever been in my chart because every time for the last three years, I have reminded them, oh, hey, yeah, make sure this is on there. They were like, oh, yeah, and your medical, yeah, and you're a cannabis patient. I was like, oh, yeah, so there's rabbit number two. So all my hats are out of the bag at this point. And you know what? I felt great about that. I was like, cool, because I want my doctor to be on the same page with the things that help me. And then it was time. He asked me what brought me in and I said, well, I am really sure that I have ADHD and I have tried so many things and all of those things have been treating symptoms of my ADHD. So they never worked for me. And I listed a lot of the things that I've shared in this episode with him as well and he said so what do you want to do and I said I want to try meds and I said and everybody told me that I can't ask for them and everybody told me that I can't have them because I'm a recovered alcoholic but I tried Adderall one day and I mean fuck if that's what all the kids were doing in college if somebody would have gave me one I'd have been like shit I can finally study <laughs> Oh, do you guys want to sit down and play cards or have a conversation? Like, I, I don't know. Maybe I would have known then, but I didn't. And so here I am. And I told him I had an evaluation scheduled. And if he still wanted me to do that, I'd be fine with that. And I told him I had teletherapy scheduled. And I'm fine still doing that. And I told him that I'll do the things. But I need this. 
I I love my doctor, by the way. I really do like him. I'm so glad I went. Um, I feel like it was therapeutic for me to have this outcome. Um, however, I have already heard from several women that it was not their experience. So here we are making this episode telling you there are doctors out there that will hear you. Please keep trying. Please keep trying. There are also places that you can get evaluated without your doctor. So maybe if you schedule an evaluation and get a diagnosis, maybe then they will hear you. Just don't give up. Just keep trying. I told him I'd be open to try other meds if he thought that what was best for me given my background but I wanted to try something and so we talked about the options and I love that too he asked me if Wellbutrin was any of the antidepressants that I had tried in the past and it was he asked me if it helped and I said no Wellbutrin is sometimes used to treat ADHD if your anxiety sparks the ADHD. It's hard to explain, but depending on what comes first, the ADHD fluster or the anxiety, it works for some people. I was not one of those people, which would have been pretty freaking amazing if I was, because that's definitely one we tried several times in my 20s. Also one that makes you gain weight or can, I think. A lot of them do. Anyways, So that was off the table since I'd tried that one before and it didn't work for me. There are some meds that are non-stimulants that he said we could try. However, he said if I was fine with it, since I tried the Adderall and it did work, he was fine with trying that. And I said, hey man, I'm good to go with what works. Didn't feel addictive to me in any way that I have been addicted to a lot of things in my life. Um, It was almost like the opposite. I, for the first time, didn't feel the need to escape, run, or drink. So I am on meds. I have been on meds for three months now. And since we're 55 minutes in, I'm thinking that's for another episode. But I can't wait to share it with you. Stay tuned.